welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. I just want to say thank you for joining us. It's my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. On September 26, 1991, a group of eight scientists entered what was called Biosphere 2 in the Arizona desert. I don't know if you remember this back in the day or not. I think Polly Shore did a documentary on that, right? No, <laughs> just a joke. <laughs> anyway, if you're not familiar, if you don't remember this, it was an environment that was constructed over a five-year period in the Arizona desert at the cost of $150 million. And the goal was to recreate Earth with all its plants, animals, and biological life. The team and the environment were closed off from the entire outside world for two straight years. Nothing and no one were allowed to go in or come out. And the goal was creating and observing a completely artificial planet that may help us exist one day on different planets or interplanetary travel was the goal. And over the two-year study, there was a lot of things they learned, a lot of scientific experiments that were ran, a lot of uh, ideas that were discovered. But of all the things that were discovered, one of the most unexpected things involves something that here in good old South Dakota, we understand very well, especially over the past month. You see, despite all the research, all the construction, and the millions of dollars that was spent on this project, there was one important feature that Earth has that Biosphere 2 did not account for. Now, what was that feature, you ask me? It was the wind. <laughs> You see, the wind, now in South Dakota, we've never had this thought. We've never thought, boy, I hope the wind blows a little bit more today, right? We've never had that thought. You know, boy, I sure hope it's windy when I go outside. But, but yet, Biosphere 2 experiment proved just how valuable wind actually is. You see, without wind, the trees in Biosphere 2 grew more quickly than they do in regular nature. But the lack of wind created trees with much softer wood that the species would normally make in the wild. As a result, these trees could literally just be pushed over with very little force applied. What the scientists discovered is they concluded that the wind actually creates the, as a critical development in the strength of trees. And that's why trees become as strong as they do, because they've been fighting against the wind. Now, why do I say that? Why is that important? Can we all agree in life sometimes the wind blows? <laughs> Can, can, can we agree that sometimes life just actually blows? Can we just say it that way? Okay. But why does that happen? And, and now, why, like none of us desire the wind to blow. None of us are asking for more wind in our life. Sometimes it still happens, doesn't it? And I don't just mean the physical wind. I mean the challenges and the burdens that we face, isn't it? And we sometimes will ask God, stop the wind, or, or God, we don't want the wind to blow. But, but maybe, and I just wonder if sometimes that wind actually makes us stronger. And, and I would contend that it might even be critical for the development of our faith. If you're a guest here today, we're so glad that you're joining us. We're on a series we're calling Church on Purpose. And we've been in it two weeks now. If you've missed it, I encourage you to go to our website, yankton.church, our YouTube channel, our podcast, and kind of catch up. But we've been talking about what it means to be the church. And I said that there are five purposes of the church, and I think sometimes we miss this. And I've been saying, too, if, if you're a guest or new to celebrate, this is a very foundational series for you to understand who we are, and why we do church the way that we think that God has told us to do that. But I've also been saying, too, if you've been part of Celebrate, if you've heard this before, my prayer for you is that this series, it would take this from our head to our heart. Because I think we might know this, I think we might understand it, but I still don't think it's necessarily in our heart yet. Because I think once it moves to our heart, 
It's going to change everything. So by way of review, the first week we talked about the first purpose of the church. It's going to be on the screen behind me. The first purpose of the church is what church? Oh, good job, right? We've been doing this. We're going to do this for the whole series, so you get real good at this. The first purpose of the church is to love God. And I made this statement, what's first in your life is God of your life. No matter what you say, what you actually live out, if God is first place in your life, that will show in your life. And I also said God won't be second. That's not who he is. God will be first in your life unless you decide that you want to be first in your life. So to be a church on purpose means God has to be first in my life. And then last week I introduced the second purpose of the church, which is what church? That was weak. What is a church? Love Love God, love people. Those are the first two purposes. And these come directly from Jesus. Jesus said to love God, and the second is what? Like it. If you love God, you will love people. You, and John went on to say, John's Jesus' disciple said, if you cannot love your brother or sister whom you see, you cannot love a God who you can't see. How we show our love for God is how we show our love in other people. And I made the statement that sometimes the problem we run into is we love people because they deserve it. <laughs> and Jesus says, no, if you want to be a follower of me, we love people just because God first love me. And so those are the first two foundational principles of what it means to be a church on purpose. And for the next three weeks, we're going to walk through together the final three purposes of the church. But before we do that today, we're just going to pause and we're going to talk about what I think is really important from my introduction is the wind in life and how wind sometimes will blow. Can I just say it? Wind sometimes blows in the church, doesn't it? And we don't want it to happen, but sometimes it does. But I think it's critical for developing our strength, even if we don't like it. And so we're going to talk about that today. And in doing so, we are going to go to one of the most beautiful passages, I think, in all of Scripture. It's not talked about a lot. It's not preached about a lot. But I really love, it's really, honestly, one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible. And since it's Mother's Day today, it's very fitting to talk about this passage. And, and I just want to say, kind of by way of introduction, when it comes to, to women in the Bible, there's a lot of controversy. Can we just say that? There's a lot of controversy about women in the Bible. And, and I've heard it said, especially in culture, that the Bible was very misogynistic and, and, and very against women and, uh, and all these anti-things about women in the Bible. The problem is that some of the most profound passages in the Bible were actually written by women. And this passage we're going to look at today is actually written by a woman. But there's a lot of them. If you don't remember Moses, Moses had a sister named Miriam. Miriam wrote one of the most beautiful songs in all the Old Testament. It happens right after the, uh, the Red Sea. It's beautiful. You should check that out. There's a lady by the name of Deborah. Deborah was one of the first judges in Israel. She was one of the first leaders. Deborah was not only a great warrior for the nation of Israel, not only was a great leader for the people for several years, Deborah also wrote a beautiful song that's actually in the book of Judges. You should go check that out. Mary, the mother of Jesus, even though she was a young, probably illiterate young girl, she actually, many people believe, and I agree too, that Luke, the gospel of Luke, was actually written Luke was a direct source of Mary. Luke is, in a sense, a biography of Mary's uh, development of her birth of Jesus. That's how we know Luke 1 and 2, we think, actually came directly from Mary. Even though she might not have wrote it, Luke wrote it as a biography for, for her. The book of Hebrews, there's not actually an author for the book of Hebrews. No, no one claimed that book. And many scholars believe, and I agree with this, that it was probably actually written by a Jewish woman. And, and it might have been Priscilla, one of Paul's, the high companion. See, when I hear this in, in culture that the Bible is anti-woman, I just don't get it. 
Because if that's the case, why are these great passages here? And again, the beautiful passage we're going to look at today was also written by a woman. And this, this passage, it might not actually have been written directly by her, because again, we probably think, much like Mary, Jesus' mother, this woman was probably illiterate. She wasn't very, uh, like a lot of people at that time. But this passage was written by her very famous son that many of you probably know. And this, her son recorded this passage about his mom and a song that his mom wrote. And how cool is it that all of Scripture, for all time, we still have that here today. I just think that's cool. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get you one. Um, we'd love to have you one here. If you have a device, you can download Version. It's a free app available on any smartphone or device. You can download it right now and listen to the Bible, have it read, read to you. But the woman we're talking about is actually named Hannah. Hannah was the mother of Samuel, the, the author of this book, and also one of the, uh, the last judge of Israel, one of the key leaders of Israel. And the most beautiful passage I was talking about is not actually 1 Samuel 1, it's actually 1 Samuel chapter 2. But before we look at 1 Samuel 2, we need to understand 1 Samuel 1, and that's why we're going to walk through it together. Because if I can just say it this way, Hannah had a lot of wind in her life. And the wind was definitely something that created Hannah who she was. And because of that, out of that wind, to understand that in chapter 1, we'll understand what she wrote in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and why it's so powerful. See, Hannah had a desire. And I think it's similar to many people today even. Hannah wanted to be a mom. More than anything in her life, Hannah wanted to be a mom. And yet, she wasn't able to be a mom. And back in that culture, if a woman wasn't a mom... They felt like something was wrong with her. There's something wrong with her because she's not becoming a mom. And I would like to think that that's passed by and that was like an ancient history thing, but it's kind of the same thing today, isn't it? Sometimes if you're a woman and you're not a mom, people look at you and say, oh, what's wrong with you? Is there something wrong there? Well, it was the same thing with Hannah during that time. And Hannah was mocked and she was completely distraught because of this. And it just, it just wrecked her. It was, it was a painful thing in her life that she wasn't able to be a mom. And her husband, she had a husband named Elkanah, I said it wrong, Elkanah, but uh, Elkanah was no help at all, okay? In fact, I, I call him, instead of Elkanah, I call him Eldomanah, okay? This, this guy was not a great, very good guy. In fact, I'm going to say this is probably the first recorded incidence of mansplaining in the history of the world. 1 Samuel cha chapter 1, verse 8, her husband, Elkanah, I call him Eldomanah, would say to Hannah, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you so downhearted? Any husbands relate to this at this point? <laughs> Why? What's wrong? But then he says something really dumb. And he goes, don't I mean more to you than ten sons? And then he probably like man flex at that point, right? To which Hannah and all women say, no idiot, that's why I'm crying. <laughs> You're not worth more to me than ten sons, okay? And, and Hannah struggled with this. And, and it was something that was constantly in front of her. And she was reminded of it every day, day after day, this desire to be a mom. And husband and her, her idiot husband, I'm just going to keep calling him that, um, every year they went to the tabernacle, to the Mishkan. We talked about that in week one. And they would worship God every year at the Mishkan. And at one of these times that Hannah and her husband went there, Hannah just kind of had an emotional moment. She went into the Mishkan by herself, and she was deeply moved. Look at what verse 10 says. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. I got a question for you. You ever been there before? Ever been at the end of your rope? You just, I can't take it anymore. 
and your body just completely breaks down and you just say, no, I'm done. I'm, I'm out. I'm checked out. Ever happen, happened before? <laughs> it's been there. So on your note sheets, on your chair, I want you to write this down. This is, this is, a, this is a good question. And I think we're going to kind of unpack this with Hannah today. What dreams have you been missing from your life? Let's just make it personal. And, and maybe take a moment in your life, and maybe there's a dream in your life that you've been missing. You know, maybe you're like Hannah. Maybe you hope to be a mom. And maybe God hasn't answered that prayer yet. Or, or maybe time has passed by, and that's no longer an option for you. Maybe you've lost a child, or, or maybe you're experiencing the death of a loved one, maybe a death of a mother. But, but it doesn't necessarily have to apply to, to motherhood. Maybe you've lost a marriage. Someone that you stood at an altar and joined hands together and pledged happily ever after, and now it's gone. It's been taken apart from you. Maybe you've lost a career. Maybe you lost an opportunity. Maybe you have a child that's gone astray. Maybe you've lost financial problems and that. Whatever that is, what are those dreams that you've been missing from your life? That's where Hannah was at. She was done. She was at the end of, the po- end of her rope. And church, I want to tell you something. This is something Hannah's going to learn, but it's so important we understand this. No matter what you're hurting, No matter what you're hurting today, God hears. God hears. When Hannah was there and she was crying out to God, God hears. In fact, I would say Hannah prayed one of the most powerful prayers, and it wasn't any words, it was her tears. Did you know that sometimes tears are the most effective prayer? Because God can really use that, can he? Well, verse 11, this is what Hannah said. And Hannah made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty... If you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of your life. Ever been there before? God, if you would just, God, God, if you would just do this one thing for me, I'll do whatever you want me, God. God, God, I'll attend church every Sunday. God, I'll give more on the plate. God, I'll, I'll make the pastor cookies every Sunday and bring it to the pastor. That's a really good one, by the way, if you want to do that. Okay. Ever been there before? God, I'll do whatever it takes. See, here's the thing. I don't think we understand that God hears us. Because when we pray prayers like that, what we're trying to do is we're trying to sweeten the deal, right? Okay, God, I know it's maybe not, but I'll, if I sweeten the deal a little bit, God, maybe you'll hear me. Can I help you with something? You don't need to sweeten the deal. God already hears you. God hears you no matter what. And we have to be very careful because when we make promises to God, God will hold us to that. So when we're in those situations, sometimes we're covered with emotion. We say, oh, we're going to do whatever it takes. God will say, really? Do you really believe that? Because whatever your promise is, God hears. Well, Hannah's in this state. She's in the tabernacle, in the mishkah. She's having this very powerful, emotional moment. She can't even really talk, the Bible says. Her mouth is moving, but there's no words coming out. This prayer is in her heart. She's, she's, can I just say it? She's kind of a hot mess right now, okay? And, and this, the priest, Eli, comes up to her. He sees her in there. And, and Eli is not the smartest guy, okay? I'm just going to say it again. Guys, we're not looking good in this passage, okay? Eli thinks she's drunk, So verse 14, Eli says to Hannah, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine, woman. Okay, guys, if you're keeping score, we're 0 for 2 in this passage so far. (laughs) You see why I think the Bible's not? Okay, anyway, uh, so, but this is what Hannah says. Verse 15, no, not so, my Lord. Hannah replied, I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And Eli 
says to Hannah, may God bless you and see that. Can I just help you with something? Sometimes when we're struggling with God, people will say dumb things. <laughs> you ever had a moment where you're struggling emotionally and somebody comes up and they think they're helping and they say something really stupid <laughs> and it doesn't help? So here's the thing. No matter what other people say to you, no matter what you're hearing at that moment, God hears you. God knows what you need. We can tune out those other voices sometimes of people who maybe have the right intentions, maybe the right heart, but they're not really helping us. God hears. Well, this next part is so easy to blow past, and I've heard this passage preached before, and sometimes this verse isn't even mentioned. But I'm going to tell you, verse 19 is actually the key to understanding Hannah and the wind she has in her life. See, Hannah has an emotional experience at the Mishkah, at the temple. She, she pours out her heart to God. The priest comes and sees her. The priest blesses her, and then she goes back, and she, take, she sleeps for the night. Look at what happens in verse 19. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home. Let me help you with this. I want to show hands. How many of you have ever had a very powerful, emotional, spiritual experience before where you really felt the presence of God? Show hands. Okay, I have two, right? Okay, you can put your hands down. I believe those things can be very powerful. I believe that I'm not going to downplay that because we can definitely be moved by that. But I want you to understand something very important that Hannah understood. The key is the next morning. What do you do when all those emotions, all those feelings, all those warm fuzzies wear off? What do you do now? Do you know what Hannah did? She went right back to the Mishkah. And she went right back to praising her God and worshiping her God. See, God wants to be a God of the highs and the lows. God wants to be a God of the good and the bad. God wants to be a God of the warm fuzzies and the cold pricklies. Because can we agree our emotions can sometimes go all over the map? And no matter what my emotions are, don't miss this, church. God hears. God hears you where your heart is at. Well, interestingly enough, Hannah and her husband, dumb, dumb guy, <laughs> go back home. And it says the, in Samuel, in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant. Now, that language is very interesting because in the course of time, it's not a defined moment. Um, it could have been a couple days. It could have been a couple months. It actually could have been a couple years before that happened. And, and, and I'll just play it out for a second. Just say there was a delay, and Hannah didn't get what she wanted right away. And, and isn't that hard sometimes for us? We pray for something for God on Tuesday, and if it hasn't happened by Thursday, come on, God, where are you at? Where are you going to show up? Because we want it right now, don't we? But, but church, I want you to understand something. No matter how long your wait, God hears. God hears. His time frame is not like our time frame. And God hears us in life. In 1 Samuel, verse 20, Hannah was given a son. And verse 20 says, She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. Now, the name Samuel is so important, and I don't want you to miss this, church. The literal translation of Samuel is Samuel L, which means God hears. God hears. Notice Hannah didn't name her long-awaited child, God gave me what I want. She could have named him God gave me. It's what I wanted. I wanted a child and God gave it to me. God gave me what I want. I'm going to name you God gave me what I want, which would have been kind of awkward, but <laughs> in Hebrew it might have sounded better. She didn't say God waited for me to promise, and, and I made a promise, now God gave it to me a promise. That's not what she named him, did she? She didn't name him God's instant answer. We want it right now, right? God gave me, I asked for it, and God gave it to me right away. That's not what she named him. 
She didn't name him, God feels good. God gave me this good feeling. God gave me this emotion. She named him Samuel L., which means God hears. And this is why I think we need to understand wind in our life. Hannah had a wind in her life. And please hear me say this, because I want you to understand something very important about our God. Our God is a good God. God does not cause the wind in our life. But can I help you with something? God can sure use the wind, can't he? He can use the wind in our life to make us stronger in where we're at today. And he strengthened us because God hears us. Now, I, I want to take a, just a second here to kind of address an elephant in the room. And a lot of times there's an elephant in the room and you've got to address the elephant in the room, right? We're here on Mother's Day, aren't we? And, and there's, there's a tendency that we, we think about Mother's Day and this passage with Hannah, but it's something very important that I don't want you to miss. This really has nothing to do with Hannah becoming a mother. Now, that sounds like an off statement, but, but I'm going to unpack this for you, and I want you to understand this. This happens not because Hannah becomes a mother. That's not why this passage is important. See, if you don't know this, Mother's Day is actually the third highest attended Sunday of any Sunday in the American church. We have Christmas, we have Easter, we have Mother's Day. I don't know if you knew that or not. And it's actually such a big deal, true story. When I was in seminary getting my master's degree, um, we actually, one of the classes I had, we did an entire paper on Mother's Day <laughs> and, and the significance of Mother's Day in the church. It's really interesting. And I want you to know I struggle with that. And, and here's why. I love Mother's Day. I love mothers. Don't, don't read into that. But this, I have two real reasons why I struggle with Mother's Day. Here's the first one. I think every Sunday is important. <laughs> Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. Do I need a motivating factor to come worship him? I struggle with that. Even Christmas and Easter, we've talked about this before, I've struggled with that. But here's the real reason why I struggle with Mother's Day sometimes. Because there's a large portion of our population who struggle with this day. And, and like I said before, even in Samuel's day, if you're not a mom, there's like something wrong with you. We still feel that way today sometimes, don't we? And, and sometimes it's by choice. Sometimes it's by circumstance. Sometimes it's our physical body won't allow that. Sometimes there's been a death or maybe a miscarriage. But again, something about us think that there's something wrong. And, and, and just to take this a step further, I want you to know something. I have somebody in my life who I love dearly. I love this person very much. And this person told me, Jeff, I want you to know something. You will never see me in church on Mother's Day. I will never be here on Mother's Day. And, and I'm just like, you've got to help me with that. Help me understand what you're saying. And she says, because so many times I feel like it's been beat, it's you, Mother's Day is a weapon to be beat against us that because I'm not a mom, there's something wrong with me. And it just broke my heart to hear that, church. Now, can I tell you something? My God is good, right? I don't think that's a God problem. I think that's a church problem. I never want anybody to feel that way for anything. And that's why I struggle with Mother's Day. So now I'm going to bring it back to Hannah because I want you to understand something. I made the statement it's got nothing to do with Hannah becoming a mom, doesn't it? See, we think, and I've heard it preached before, Hannah wanted a child. She was faithful to God, and God gave her what she wanted. But that misses the point. And, and church, don't miss this. We think Hannah was not complete until she had a son. That's not true. Hannah was not complete until she had a Savior. And his name is Jesus. And the wind in Hannah's life, this moment, helped her realize there was nothing more important than her relationship with Jesus Christ. Not even being a mom. And God used that when to do it. And why can I say that to you? Because the rest of the story is Hannah, this long-awaited child. The only thing that Hannah's wanted her entire life, she's been given it to by God. And what does she do? She returns Samuel to the Mishka. And she says, you're going to stay here. 
and you're going to spend the rest of your life serving God and growing up in the temple. I'm going to give my first child, the one who I love more than anything, and I'm going to dedicate him, and the rest of his life, he's going to be there. I'm going to give up the one thing I wanted most, and I'm going to give it to my God. Why would Hannah do it? That doesn't make any sense, and here's why. We don't have to wonder, because Hannah wrote one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture, and it's in 1 Samuel chapter 2, and I'm going to make you all real mad because I'm not going to read it to you. <laughs> all this all set up, and I'm not going to read it to you because I want you to read it yourself. I want you to go home and read it, but I want you to understand the context of it. And just to kind of whet your appetite, I am going to read verse 2, 1 Samuel 2, 2. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Can I just add to that? Not even a child is greater than God. Not even my spouse is greater than God. Not even my parents. Not any relationships. Not my job. Not my finances. Hannah declares there is no one besides our God. Now I want you to go back to your note sheets. And I had you write something down. And we're going to come back to it. And I had you write down what dreams have you been missing in your life? And I hope you took some time to maybe think about that, write that down. Maybe you'll do that this week. But right under, the, under that, I want you to write one more thing. I want you to write, what would you say if you knew God would hear? What would you say if you knew God would hear? Because, see, we pray all the time, don't we? Or we think we pray all the time. But do we really understand that we're talking to the God of the universe? And what would you say if you knew he would hear? Maybe you wouldn't say anything at all. Maybe you would just pray that really effective prayer of tears. Do you know what the Bible says? God counts every one of those tears. The, the language actually says he actually saves every one of our tears. Isn't that cool? That's how much God loves us. Sometimes the most powerful prayer can just be a tear. Maybe you wouldn't say anything. Maybe you would ask God why. Maybe you would cry out and say, God, I don't understand. I don't know why this happened. God, why can't this happen? You know what? God hears that, and he still loves you. How about when? God, when is this going to happen? God, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. I've been trying to be faithful. I'm not seeing the results that I want. God, how long do I have to wait? God hears. He absolutely hears. Maybe you, maybe you want to make promises to God, like, God, if you would just do this, and I would. God, if you do that, I will do that. God hears. God hears. And Hannah understood that. She understood that her God hears her and loves her dearly. And you know what Hannah declares is what I pray we would declare today. God, there is no one besides you. Church, can I just say it again? The wind in life is going to blow. We can't stop it from blowing. It's going to blow. And it's either going to knock you over or it's going to make you stronger. Which one is it going to do? See, church, God hears no matter what. God hears no matter what. And that's the name Samuel. And maybe you just need to write that name down. Maybe that's what you just need to remind yourself every time. Samuel, God hears. No matter the hurt you're facing right now, God hears. No matter the promises that you think you have to make to sweeten the deal, God hears. No matter what other people say, whether it's stupid or helpful or mean or hurtful, no matter what they say, God hears. No matter what my emotions, and I can be up, I could be down, I could be feeling good, I could be feeling like crud. No matter what your emotions, God hears. And no matter how long you have to wait. And for some, it's been years. God hears.
And is that going to be enough for us? Just like Hannah said, there's no one beside you, God. God, I'm going to bank my hope on you because we have a God who hears us. He sees us, he knows us, and he loves us dearly. Let's pray. And God, even as right now, we're turning our attention to you in prayer. We know that you hear us. And God, I sense in my spirit that this is a holy moment. And, and I pray for the people that are in this room or maybe they're watching online or listening to our podcast, God, that they would understand that there is a God who hears. And maybe there were some things we wrote on that paper or maybe some thoughts that we're having right now about things that we, we need you to hear. And we know that you're listening. We know the promise, God, that you do hear. And we declare, just like Hannah declared, God, all I need is you. I'm going to trust in you. Not because I want something, God, but because of who you are and how you love for us. And in the same way, it wasn't because Hannah didn't have a son that she wasn't complete. It was because Hannah didn't have her Savior that she didn't feel complete and she felt like she needed to have something else. And once she understood that she would be fully known and fully accepted by you, God, she was willing to give up the one thing that she wanted most in life because she didn't need that anymore. She had you. God, I just pray that that would be enough. And maybe there's somebody here today, God, that just needs to know that you hear. All of those hurts, all of those tears, God, you've saved them in a bottle with our name on it because that's how precious we are to you. And God, I thank you that I get the privilege of pastoring a church of people who understand this and who are willing to say, we know you hear us, God, and we're going to put our trust in you. We don't need a lot of the other things in life, God. We just need you, and we're just going to hold to you because, God, the wind in life is going to blow. We can't stop that from blowing. None of us would ask for more wind, God. But yet through the wind, you make us strong because you're strong. We thank you and praise you and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 1030 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. You can also check out more content on our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, at Celebrate Yankton. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share with others. God bless. Thank you.